welcome to Fulcrum Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. Thank you for joining us this week. Episodes will typically be uploaded every Monday, and any changes to that schedule will be posted on our Twitter and TikTok at Fulcrum Pod and on Instagram at Fulcrum Podcast. So be sure to follow us on any of those for previews and information about upcoming episodes. Hi, my name is Sage. I use she and they pronouns, and you can find me on TikTok and on Twitter at Sage Sindula. Hi, my name is Claire, and my pronouns are she, her. You can find me on TikTok at Claire Kenobi and on Twitter at Corky Kenobi. And hello, my name is Camilla. Um, pronouns are she, her. You can find me on TikTok at Boricowiki. Um, And then you can also check out my, I have a Star Wars narrative podcast called Beings of the Galaxy. That's on Instagram at Beings of the Galaxy Pod and then wherever pods are cast. Yes, definitely go listen to Beings of the Galaxy. It's actually so fantastic and I'm obsessed with it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. And um, today we're going to be talking about uh, Queen's Hope, which is the novel by E.K. Johnston. It came out uh, this week and you should definitely go order it if you haven't already. The book actually starts with a prologue about my love Shmi Skywalker literally yeah like knife to the heart like first page I was in tears um so that's when I just knew it was gonna be such a fun time to read but yeah it starts us off with Shmi Skywalker and sort of just giving like an overview of like her life and like the things she's gone through and the book like throughout has these sort of interludes with like different female characters that are like either part of Padme's life or Leia's life or both Um, are just like important to this narrative that's being told and obviously Shmi Skywalker is very important to everything that is happening in this book even more so because Anakin is a character in this book and basically we just learn like a lot of stuff we already know about her just that she had a very hard life as anyone can imagine Um, and then she hears this like song calling to her which I love how it was explained like that and she sort of decides to like embrace it and like kind of let it guide her to wherever she ends up since like things have not been easy but she still like believes in goodness and hope despite everything that she's been through and I just love her and I think that's like it was a great way to start off the book even though it was so emotional it was like a really good like it, it was really consistent with like the themes of what the entire book were of like seeing the good in people and like keeping hope despite the fact that like at the point we start off in this book it's like early on in the clone wars and the galaxies and like this big conflict and no one really knows what to do but there's always these themes of hope which are a big part of star wars in general and like really essential in this book obviously hence the title and just like in everything padme does from start to finish yeah 100 percent. i like as soon as i started watching or excuse me not watching it's a book reading um that opening I was like oh this is like lovely I wonder who this girl is and then when it started becoming clear that it was Shmi I just I I took the book down (laughs) and I just needed a beat to breathe and cry a lot because I was like wow I've never in my life ever seen Shmi's story told in this way that was just like in and of itself oh my gosh gut knife in the heart um and it just like comes back to what one of the things that I just love that what E.K. Johnson does in the trilogy is, and not just in the trilogy, but in I think uh, all of her Star Wars work is the way that she brings like women who have been put into the background. She brings them to the front and highlights them in a way that, and not just, and not women, but, but specifically the way she uses the, her choice of the word girl 
I think is like a very beautiful specific choice to highlight the way that like girls are often sidelined in a way that like women are aren't sidelined because often it's like looked down because of age and youth and how that comes with being naive and dumb and silly and not worthy of doing big things and so yeah this this opening taking Shmi and then and then giving her the agency of like she made the choice to receive Anakin versus like oh you just woke up and you're just pregnant because midi-chlorians decided to just show up at your door <laughs> was like a very very beautiful um addition to her story and rounding out the inception of Mr. Skywalker yeah absolutely I thought that you know because like you were saying we've never had this like view on her character before and even though it's just the prologue it's pretty short I was I was just kind of like I thought about that moment in Queen's Peril between Padme and Shmi and just like because we didn't get that in The Phantom Menace right and so I was just like oh my god like these are two women who are so important to Anakin's life obviously and we obviously know where his story goes and they were not highlighted in the original movies um as they are in the E.K. Johnson books obviously and so getting that prologue and that have being like the start of this book and setting that tone and um showing us this is what this is about and this is uh where these women come into play and how they're so important to all of these character stories, but how they have their own story in the in of themselves. Uh, and I just, yeah, immediately started crying. <laughs> immediately started. I was like, I, I was listening to the audiobook for this one. That was my net galley. And I literally was like, oh, okay. Okay. This, so this is how we're doing it. I'm in the car and I'm like crying. I'm like, everyone on the freeway is just witnessing this happening. <laughs> Catherine, Catherine Tabor does a phenomenal job with those books. Uh, anyways, she, <laughs> but yeah. It was just I loved the that prologue and how it just set up everything for the for the rest of the book and and we'll get into more of the other women who were highlighted in the small interludes that we got uh, within the novel. But those were just such an, a brilliant touch that I was not expecting. Um, and yeah, I was super obsessed with them. I did. <laughs> there is one that we will get to. Um, I'm literally already jumping to the end. I'm literally already off chronological order, but I uh, did have to check in with Claire because I thought that they were going to literally die. (laughs) So, uh, but yeah, it was a, what I'm saying is this great. (laughs) Let's move on to jump to to the early start of this book. Um, Yeah. The start of the Clone Wars. This is right after um, the attack of the clones right after the ending and we get to see a little bit of Padme and Anakin's relationship um right after their wedding uh, a little bit more context into uh both of their feelings going into it how Anakin uh is uh dealing with his life as a Jedi and his and his life with Padme uh how he's thinking about it all and also Padme and how she's going to balance this life of you know, being a, a senator, being, you know, this light in the galaxy that she knows that she is and help and how she's going to help everybody. And, um, but also, you know, taking some time to herself, which is something that we don't get to see very often. So that was really nice. And yeah, those first few chapters were just so, so gorgeous. <laughs> so heartwarming. It's a different side of Padme that we haven't seen yet, which I really appreciate. I have seen critiques 
of the way that E.K. Johnson writes Padme and saying that like she writes her without any flaws and she writes her in this perfect pristine view. And I have to disagree with that, especially with Queen's Hope. I think Queen's Hope does an, an extra good job of what I think happens in the trilogy is not it's it's sometimes I feel like with writers, they tell you what you're supposed to think. And I don't think that's what's happening in this trilogy and especially in this book. It's like we're being presented with the choices that Padme is making, especially in these first few chapters where she's like, Anakin would be hers. She's never had something just for herself. She's excited to keep a secret. She's excited to keep him away from everybody else. But there's, it's not like the, the, it's not like the story is telling us we are supposed to judge Padme for this. It's just being very frank with like, these are the choices she's making. Now you can draw your own conclusions based on this character, but I'm not going to tell you in the story how you should think about this character. I really appreciated that at the beginning, like seeing this different side to Padme to then be able to start like getting a more well-rounded view of her and understanding of her and her choices. And then also it's like, it is very heartwarming to see how happy she is because when Padme is happy, I'm happy. Um, And, but then also the other side of it too, you just like know the road that's, they're both like heading down and it's just it's bittersweet because they're happy but I know what's gonna happen and so I'm not happy eventually but it's fine (laughs) one thing in particular that I really liked with this whole like sequence leading up to the wedding and like during the wedding is that we get to learn more about like what they wore to the wedding and like the intricacies of that which is something that I just like never really thought about like I was always like oh yeah Padme's wedding dress is really pretty but like in this book we learn that like um it's a cultural thing for like families to pass down cloth to like their children and then they would each get a piece to like incorporate into their wedding clothes which is something so interesting to me and the fact that Padme reaches out to Yane to make the dress and I love Sasha and Yane we'll talk more about them but I just love them and so I loved that whole scene where they're just sort of talking about it and like she agrees to make this dress for her and it's also a really good scene because Padme sort of struggles with like asking her former handmaidens for help with personal things because they've always had like although they were friends they've always had like a very professional relationship and so she kind of hesitates to reach out to Yane because she's like oh it's difficult for me to ask for a personal favor from her because of everything that she's already done for me um and then there's also this really interesting bit about Anakin's decision to wear his Jedi robes to the wedding because he's like although I am doing something that like I'm not supposed to do as a Jedi he wants to wear his robes to still like be true to himself and do that rather than like wearing something that they might consider like nicer or more formal or whatever he's like no even though I am doing this thing I am still a Jedi and that's still like a big part of my identity and so I don't want to like push that aside when I'm already doing so many other things that would go against what the other Jedi would think is right or like would be allowed for someone in his position And so I just thought that like both of their sort of individual parts of like leading up to the wedding before we see the two of them really come together for that moment were really interesting. And I like that um, E.K. Johnson took the time to really like break down their decisions in like their preparation for the wedding. Bringing up the the cloth being passed down, I just immediately thought it was like, okay, so then Padme would have passed down to her children. (laughs) And I was like, oh no. Um... Is there a world where, because we know Leia is eventually in possession of Padme's clothing. We just like, I was looking into this earlier 
because I was like, there's no clear understanding of when Leia finds out Padme's her mom, her birth mom. Like we can narrow it down to like 20, a 20 year gap or something like that. Um, but yeah, is there, is there any world where we think Pad or Leia would have received? Oh my gosh. And then I'm just like, my head is now spinning, which is why I'm just rambling now. But like if Leia received it, but she was already after she was married to Han, then would she have like planned to pass down to her children? But then that literally, I literally can't do this right now. <laughs> you know, why does Star Wars have to be so sad? <laughs> it's just like there are people in the galaxy who are just having a good time, but it's like the Skywalkers don't get to be happy. Skywalkers and anyone who hang out with Skywalkers, just like your life is going to be tragedy, period. Oh, yeah. Something else that happens around that time, we see Anakin reflecting. He kind of has this moment where he's thinking about Qui-Gon Jinn. Um, and, you know, I really love when uh, E.K. Johnson writes those little moments in in these Padme novels that is is kind of away from Padme, you know, and uh, it gives us just like a, a fully rounded perspective on where all these characters are at uh, mentally and emotionally. Uh, and I feel like this is very definitely one of the portrayals of Anakin like the like in the time in the time of his life that I enjoyed a lot more than Mm -hmm. others um yeah when you know I was just kind of like oh he's kind of just like a happy guy right now like Mm -hmm. and I was like okay maybe maybe this is a maybe this is kind of cute anyways um but yeah then you know and then they get called on this mission and then they have like a little mission together and you know that's that's the kind of stuff that I live for in Star Wars is when these little when these couples get to go on like missions together and their like lives are being threatened and they're like but we're here together it's romantic (laughs) truly yeah what does Padme say she's like a bit of heroics and then we'll be back for the wedding and then he just like smile and I'm just like oh stopping so 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 Star Wars it's yeah (laughs) that was such a great moment um yeah and then we figure out you know uh what's kind of going on with just civilians in um like what's happening at the start of the war and how it's affecting them you know and not not just how it's affecting the jedi and the clones and the senators you know and i really um like that it kind of gave us this perspective of you know wait this war is actually affecting the people too you know um and that's something that I those are my favorite episodes of the Clone Wars is when we get to like hone in on these characters who aren't necessarily participating in the war and are just affected by it because it's it's a galactic war that's crazy that's gonna affect every single person in the galaxy um and so yeah I really enjoyed getting to go away from all of the big things that are happening because we do see clones and which we'll get to because yes uh anyways and we um and we do get to see the jedi we get to go to the temple on coruscant and see how everyone's reacting to this but yeah getting to see just some some little guys in doing their schoolwork and stuff that's really that was really awesome i i am right there with you sage i love like I mean, that's why I made a podcast about like, the people who are <laughs> about the beings of the galaxy. <laughs> exactly, precisely. Yeah, I also really like those stories. Um, and yeah, and I think I think for so long we've had so many Jedi stories, and it's like the Sabe talks about it toward the end of the book that the Jedi are that their their point of view with on detachment 
makes them very impractical in terms of like the actual perspective of of people in war um and in the clone wars and so and they like can't necessarily look at people as people or at least they stop doing it i'm butchering what she says but she talks about it um and padme's like it's something that i never want to do i don't want to ever look at people it's just like line items on a budget in the and i want to make sure i'm looking at people as people and that's why yeah i really love like this they happen it happens in this scene it happens in like the mission as a greater whole where like when you spend time with non-jedi you see people how regular people see them not jedi see them and i really appreciated that too especially at the start of the clone wars and you start learning about like the politics of it all and we start getting a basis understanding of of how the galaxy is going to turn out in the clone wars how we see it in the show i know like sabe talks about this padme talks about it i think there's a few other like senators or people who talk about it of this like idea of because very early on in the war so the people are just now learning that like the republic is using a clone army and a lot of people obviously have problems with that and I did like Sabe says this line very early on where she's like I don't like that we're throwing like real human people at machines that the other side is using and it's such a like big thing in Star Wars where like they're literally using a clone army and these are like living breathing humans and they're just using them like they're nothing and it's such a like it's such a good thing to see like characters actually acknowledge that and like have real conversations about it because so often it just gets overlooked and I like specifically getting that from Sage <laughs> Sage just what Sabe Quinlan boss moment in the chat <laughs> but no it's like and Sabe is an interesting person to get this from because it's like she's not a Jedi so she's not like out commanding clone troopers she's not like fighting um but she still like has seen many different parts of the galaxy and knows a lot of different people who come from very different places and she has a very interesting perspective on a lot of things specifically involved in like the politics that Padme finds herself involved in but like seeing her take on like the Republic using a clone army against a droid army was something that like definitely was needed in this book and I'm glad that we got to see it like multiple times from multiple different characters. Um, I did want to mention, though, um, this is so not what we were talking about, Claire, but when when we when they did go on their little mission, um, they did run into a character who had leg braces. Um, I always bring up disabled representation in Star Wars because it's literally my favorite thing to talk about. Um, E.K. Johnson, personally, thank you for that. Um, I love when I see characters who have like braces. That's just love that for me. Anyways, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think this book did a, a lot for representation in a lot of different ways in a lot of different areas, um, which we can get into later when we start talking about other things. But yeah, I just thought that was cool and I wanted to bring it up. One more thing, going back to their wedding again, sorry, but um. It was in the scene that you talked about where we see Anakin like before the wedding and this is when he's thinking about Qui-Gon. There's also a part of that where he's thinking about like Owen and Brew and like the Lars family and how like they always made him feel included and like li I, he literally says that like seeing the way they interacted with each other is what made him want to get married and I literally cried I love them and I was so it's so great to see that Anakin like viewed them as family and like that they were so accepting of him because obviously like 
he needed that especially based on everything that was going on in his life when he first went back there um and just that little tidbit about like seeing the way they interacted with each other so like fluidly and that making him be like you know what I want to marry Padme and I just thought that was so cute and it's just great to see like Anakin like you said just like being happy and getting like a happy moment and to have something that is his like again despite like everything that we know comes after just like for this moment to see the two of them like genuinely be happy and carefree was something that like both of their characters desperately needed and I'm really glad we got it in this book yeah agreed I remember reading that line in the excerpt when the excerpt dropped like five million years ago when the book was supposed to come out back in November it's like Anakin is like when I saw the way they like moved around the kitchen Anakin had decided he wanted to marry Padme when he saw like the way Owen and Baru like moved around the kitchen like little touches and little glances and all that kind of stuff I was just like oh Anakin you and Padme could have had it all you could have had so much more why did you have to fall on the dark side then anyway <laughs> so true so true <laughs> on. you could have had it all it's truly it's we could have had it all you could have been rolling in the deep <laughs> they could have been so happy could have. Anyways. Could have. <laughs> but yes no um yeah oh gosh so much so good so so many good yeah the way she brings and i will talk more about like baru and owen in a little bit as we get there um but yeah no again bringing those characters to the forefront chef's kiss um let's move on a little bit chronologically here uh next we get when they come back we get to see um oh sabe comes back a little bit sabe's been busy sabe has been busy on tattooing um freeing slaves being a girl boss uh and having a relationship with Tanra, my beloved. Anyways, um, I'm actually so obsessed with them. <laughs> um, they're so they're so adorable. Uh, anyways, I'm just obsessed with that uh, bisexual woman, Sabe. Uh, call me whenever. Anyways, um, yeah, they have a they have a good. Uh, she's a good great opening chapter. Um, and then you know we get to uh, dive in more with her and. Padme's relationship where it is now uh, and how they're still continuing to balance and evaluate their relationship and the difference between while they are working and while they are just friends, if they can ever get to a point where they are just friends who love each other or if they or if she's always Sabe's always going to be uh, working for Padme. Um, and I think that, you know, we really see that in this novel, especially, you know, towards the end, especially when Sabe is um, realizing that maybe she and Padme have started to go separate ways in terms of their own identities. Uh, and I think that, you know, is just like something that is true about friends in general. And so I think, you know, they're always obviously going to love each other and we know that. Um, but yeah, they, they, their relationship in this book, maybe I cried too many times reading, but it's just, um, we'll get to a certain chapter later, <laughs> but yeah, um, love Sabe. I fully agree. I love Sabe in this book so much in the way that she's learning how to stab I me mean, that's what the journey of the book is is like 
how does the queen's shadow step out of the queen's shadow? How does like second best go on to be first best in her own right? Um, which we eventually, I mean, see her become the, the like first best and a leader in her own right, as, as we see in Vader, the Vader comics. Um, and um, yeah, it's, it's, it like their relationship really hurts because again, it comes back to like, I think I is another beautiful thing that I love about the, the Queen's trilogy is how it is such a, it's such a celebration of sisterhood um, in a way that like Star Wars doesn't really tell many stories about girls and women who are friends and sisterhood stories. It's always like father, father relationships and like mothers don't really ever get to live um, with their children for long, long terms, um, which really hurts. Um, so yeah, to see the fact that it, it hurts because it's like Padme didn't just lose Anakin. Like she lost another relationship before that in Sabe, um, and the way that the two of them like are going down this road of separation, but it's like, but it's good and necessary separation that they both needed to do. That Sa- I don't want to say both need to do, that Sabe needed to do for herself. Um, and I'm glad she did it, but I know that it haunts her for the rest of her life because I know she probably thinks if I had stayed, Padme probably would still be alive, which is probably not the case, but um, but she's not going to stop telling herself that because that's who she is. Yeah, their relationship, like all the writing and everything and development that has gone into it, the two books preceding this, like really paid off in this book because now like they're not in the same place for like almost the entire book um and Padme now has this secret that she's keeping that she's married to Anakin and she hasn't even told Sabe and like throughout the book she keeps kind of being like I'm gonna tell her like when I see her again or like when things settle down and like she is planning to tell her but of course Sabe ends up finding out before she ends up telling her and it creates like not a divide between them but like there's definitely some tension there and it brings us back to like one of my favorite things about their relationship is their ability to like sit down and have honest conversations with each other about what's bothering them and like I'm sure we'll get into that more later because it's more towards the end of the book but like even throughout like Sabe is like okay I feel like me and Padme are getting kind of distant and like maybe she's keeping something from me but like it's okay because I know that we have trust between us and like we can figure it out once we have a chance to like breathe and just talk to each other and so even when they're apart like they think about each other a lot and they have like a really solid relationship and understanding between the two of them and they have also really good communication um when there's something that has gone wrong between them okay so then Sabe and Padme meet for a little bit wish that they were together a little bit longer um but obviously Padme is a girl boss and she's busy she went she went uh on a mission of her own while Sabe filled in for her um I really loved just how we saw um Sabe's realizing that "Hmm, maybe I don't like this as Mm -hmm. much as I thought that I did um I think that was a very uh, important part to her character uh, arc and also kind of just being like maybe it's time for something different maybe it's time for a change and uh, I just thought that that was really it was sad obviously every time she was like it's not really this isn't really feel like me anymore I was like mm-hmm. no please please just <laughs> you do like it I promise mm-hmm. um, but yeah I just 
there were so many moments where I was like, okay, this is too sad for me. Anyways, but she, I loved her interactions with everybody, um, especially her interactions with Bail Organa, which Claire can talk about, um, <laughs> uh, which Claire might talk too long about. I'm just kidding. I, I love you, Claire. I'm so sorry. No, you're, you're not entirely wrong. <laughs> I mean, I we should un- all talk about Bail Organa nonstop because it's Bail Organa and he deserves it. I agree. So true. <laughs> the king, the, the I, I love in the, I'm going to jump all the way to the end right now. Yeah. Uh, but in, this is, we're on the topic of bail. Uh, in Brea's uh, section, when yeah. it's like, she found a boy who gave up his name yeah. and took hers. I was like, icon, Bail Organa, a literal feminist king icon the way that he's just like yes I will lay down all of my things for this woman and for the queen I was just like yeah you're the best love Bail Organa anyway (laughs) continue sorry we were already while we're on the topic um that line though about you know Bail taking Freya's name what a little bit of a parallel yeah (laughs) this is what okay because also right after that it was like she found a boy who loved enough to take her name and like live in her shadow as queen and I was like hmm but yeah exactly no and again that's just something that you don't often see in Star Wars is men stepping back like I think it you could say in a way like I feel like Kanan kind of becomes hair shadow a little bit in the way when he's like yeah you should go lead you're our leader go lead us um but anyway that's completely off topic Yes, I love I love when men step back and let women run the show because often they're already running the show, so they should just step back and just let them run the show in general because they're doing it better. Claire, do you want to talk about Bail Organa? Yes, I, I want to hear about Bail Organa. I actually would love Bail to talk about Bail um, <laughs> First of all, I yeah, him and Sabe, like, I love that they sort of got to work together more in this book, especially because, like, Bail was one of the like few people originally who like knew about the fact that Padme's handmaidens also served as like body doubles so they could like step into her shoes actually uh one of the earlier scenes where he where Padme first comes back to Coruscant and Bail and Mon Mothma present her with this mission that they want her to go on and he's basically like we need someone who can be in two places at once but like he he's never told Mon Mothma that he knows about this because he knows that it like literally is essential to Padme's survival and there's a like it's obviously like being told from Padme's point of view this scene and she's basically like now I know that like I put my trust in the right person because he kept this secret and is giving like me the opportunity to tell Mon Mothma about it if I feel comfortable anyway I just love him I think he's perfect um there's also some interesting stuff about how like he didn't really want to participate in the war because Alderaan is obviously a pacifist planet, but they still like offer resources and they're like one of, he's like one of the people leading a lot of the like relief efforts, kind of helping out in that way as opposed to fighting. And I think that's very interesting. And I also just love Alderaan and I think their politics are very interesting. Um, anyway, now I'm rambling. This is why I don't talk about Bail Organa. Um, but yeah, and we can talk more about Brea once we get to the end, because that last chapter. Um, but yeah, him and Sabe work really well together, and he's sort of, like, the main person who's, like, supporting her while she's filling in for Padme in the Senate, because, like, she knows what she's doing, but it's obviously a very different environment for her, even so. And so it's nice to have someone there who, like, 
knows that she's not actually Padme and is like patient with her and like can just sort of be like a person for her to rely on when things are getting difficult for her which they do and that's something I think Sage you were talking about how like she kind of realizes like I this isn't for me like I don't like this I don't like the way that the politics function in the senate and like specifically on Coruscant and she realizes through that that she wants to go back to Tatooine and like continue her work there and that that's what's important to her um and so I just think it's really interesting to see her like step into this role in a way that she hasn't before and for that to be the thing to sort of like push her forward and realize what she wants to do with her life yeah I love this like this arc of when Sabe steps into um Padme's shoes in this book and how it's like the last time she was in Padme's shoes it was completely different and now it is like it was it was still yes she was it was still closer to her time as as Queen Amidala and so it still felt like similar but Sabe comments a couple times throughout the book about how she's like this feels different things feel different the handmaidens don't sleep on the same floor anymore everything feels distant like Dorme is nearby but still kind of signs off for the night and 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 it's always like I really do feel like I'm alone right now and feeling lonely and how yeah it's like the she senses the changes and then realizes like there's not a place for her anymore here or at least like she doesn't want to try and force herself in to this space and I really admire her for making that choice to leave Padme's shadow because because yeah she loves Padme and it's just heartbreaking because she knows that Padme will never choose her because she just can't and she's accepted that but Sabe just needed to choose herself for once and she does at the end um and it hurts but it was it was the right choice and then it's like I mean it's kind of like this popped in my head it kind of makes me think of it's different because Ahsoka leaving the order is different there are different reasons, but it's that similar sense of like, you have to step out of the thing that's comfortable and go make your own way in the world. And that's ultimately what like saved Ahsoka. Who knows? That could have been something that saved Sabe from who knows if she had stayed with Padme. I mean, we don't know. What if? If, if Sabe had stayed on Coruscant with Padme, she obviously would not have left her side during Order 66 during that time of you know, crazy shit happening on Coruscant. So she very well <laughs> may have ended up on Mustafar too. You know, it's uh, anyways, that's a whole nother, someone write a fan fiction for me anyways. <laughs> Please, yeah. And like, you also see pa- Palpatine, like the way that he picks up on the fact that it's not Padme and that it's Sabe. And he starts saying things that make her uncomfortable. And then you have her at the end being like, there's too much darkness here. I have to leave. And how we see just like, Palpatine's manipulation in his one of his skill sets is like getting people alone and he did that like he got Padme alone and got Sabe out of the picture and we know what that eventually leads to that leads to Padme and Anakin being alone and Padme being extra alone in the time of her most need when she's pregnant with twins and she doesn't have like the support system that she used to have and so again Palpatine hate him so much such an incredible villain and like the scariest villain I think of like all media is uh, the way that he works everything to his plan it's just it's terrifying yeah that chapter with him 
um, at the temp at the Jedi Temple with between him and Sabe. That entire conversation, my skin was crawling. I was like, "Get away from her!" Actually, I I can't have you near her. Um, that whole scene in general, actually, now that I'm on the topic, I might as well talk about it. Um, the whole scene with when um, Sabe is pretending to be Padme and is at the Jedi Temple. She talks to she talks to some Jedi. She she talks to Deva Balaba. I did think that Kanan, Caleb Doom, Kanan was going to show up. Um, and I would, I'm glad that he didn't, to be honest, because I would not be here on this podcast today. I would, I would have passed away. Um, but, you know, um, they have a, they have a very interesting conversation. Any Deva Balaba content, I'm like, I'm here for. Um, but then, but then Barris Afi comes along wow okay i was not expecting that first of all second of all um i love the way that we see barris already even though she's in like maybe three or four pages we're already seeing how her arc at the end of season five of the clone wars is starting we seeing like it was very in character but also kind of like oh Oh, you were thinking this the entire time um, about how the Jedi are working, how the Jedi are working, and um, how they should be. Anyways, just have to throw it out there. Bears Offy, you would have thrived in the High Republic era, girly. You, anyways, I can't talk about this right now. Um, but yeah, anyways, that whole scene was just phenomenal. Um, and yeah, like you were saying, Camilla, the way that Palpatine just like makes things go his way. And there was that um, line at the end of that little chapter. He was like, the water in the pond dried up and no one was ever able to fill it up. Oh my gosh. Okay. Maybe I had chills. Yeah. It's terrifying. It is terrifying. He is is terrifying the way that he manipulates everything. And and you can see the way that he works. Um, He's very scary. And at the same, on the other, on the other hand, I love that continually continually the people that ruin his plan where he's just like man they did it and now i have to do something else but i'll be patient it's okay it's just it's just women and the fact that this book was like because we obviously we get that we get that moment in the clone wars um pursuit of peace which is my favorite episode of the clone wars where he's like padme gives her speech the senate votes the way pap she doesn't want it and he's like ah annoying they didn't vote the way i wanted we'll just like let democracy keep going but like interesting that she shifted it um but then we see in this book that i love i love the way that it just shows padme's legacy um and how she's had an impact on different people and how those different people are messing up palpatine's plans like um sasha messes up his plans and um, and I'm forgetting his name, but the kid in Amoidian also messes up Palpatine's plans. And like we get the chapters, he was like, they weren't supposed to do that. They surprised me. And it like ultimately comes down to the fact that it comes down to Padme's influence on each of their lives and how you see each of these people acting the way that like Padme would and doing it because they've been all been inspired by her being herself. And I'm just like, what a powerful legacy what a powerful testament to who she is as a person and and how powerful she is i just love her so much this is when i get to have my little soapbox moment about um oh my god i need to like limit myself when i talk about this because it makes me angry about the scenes that were deleted from revenge of the sith where we have the delegation of 2000 
and it's basically long story short um the main people involved are Padme Bale and Mon Mothma um and they sort of like gather a group of senators who oppose how much power Palpatine has taken for himself and sort of like the failures of democracy at this point because he's just like doing whatever he wants basically because it's at the very end of the war obviously and there are some really good deleted scenes go watch them they're really good um and I will forever be bitter that they are not in the movie um (laughs) but it's just like what you're saying how like Padme um always was like creating problems for Palpatine and not many people are capable of doing that because he really does control everything like he orchestrated the entire war he controls the senate like he has so much power but Padme is so determined to stick to her own ideals and like do what she feels is right that she ends up getting in his way many times and like Sashay becomes a problem for him in this book too and it's just a really interesting thing to see and I wish we had gotten to see more of that in the movies in particular because we've talked about this before too it's like nice to have these things in books but it like not everyone reads the books so it's good to have them on screen too um but I did like that we got to get to see like those Palpatine perspectives which like you said literally terrifying but like really let us see how much influence Padme had on his plans and like how they ended up turning out while we're on the topic of Sashe, um you know she really did um, shine. In the, she shines in everything, to be honest. She is, I love her to death. But um, yeah, her side of this story, her arc um, with with Harley, <laughs> uh, loved the return of Harley. Uh, that was something I wasn't expecting. Um, but I did scream. I did scream. Anyways, the, the way that, you know, they're doing things on the political side at the start of this war. Uh, and Sasha ends up allowing a bill to be passed that leaves Naboo less powerful than they would have been in the first place. How interesting, actually, you know, because it's obviously this uh, foil of an idea to what Palpatine had been planning for the entire war in general, which was to only gain power, not to lose it. Um, and he literally started a galactic war to gain power. Uh, and it surprised him when he saw that Naboo was like, "Mm, maybe we don't need all the power. Maybe it's for the greater good that we don't actually. Uh, and I thought that was a a wonderful addition to this book. Uh, and just, you know, a, a concept that I was glad we explored. Um, just the power dynamics in general, because obviously we're dealing with uh, things on a very large scale um, in general, and then to see it kind of happen on, you know, a smaller scale, this one planet in, or this one system uh, in this war and how they're reacting to it and how they're reacting to, you know, galactic chaos in general. Yeah, a hundred percent. I loved, I loved all the chapters that was talking about how the Naboo, like there's one it, there's a Sashi chapter specific where it starts out and it starts out talking about like, or it talks about like the privilege of the people of Naboo and how like they're all very well-meaning and idealistic people, but they're also very privileged. So they'll just sit around and talk, 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 but they don't really like get into action as much. Um, and like, 
their 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 time of their their time of suffering under the trade federation made them guarded and scared and fearful of of that ever happening again which i totally understand um and but it was then good to see the way that like sache was able to be like hey like we got to help these other planets you know like it, it can't just be about like us we can't like live in our own bubble because that's what it was before padme got into power is that um, we see in Queen's Peril how she's trying to repair relations with with the other with the other planets, um, and yeah, and the fact that like, and then I re- I wrote down in my notes that like Sashi surprised them. Amidala's influence is great, and it and it remind it just makes me think like how this is something that I would have loved, and I wish that we could have seen. And I understand there's like real estate and books, and and you can't like dig in too deep into a ton of things, um, but I would have loved to see like how the other handmaidens from Queen's Peril how they were doing what they were doing specifically Rabe and I always mispronounce her name Irite I believe but yeah so we like see Sasha and we see Yane we know like we know vaguely what Rabe's doing and we know like what Irite is doing from based on the end of Queen's Peril but yeah I would have loved to see just the two of them specifically and and what their influences but going back to Sasha you see the fact that like because each of these girls were handmaidens and they spent so much time with Padme and they were part of Padme's um, team for those four years that, that she greatly influenced them and they greatly influenced her. And that's because of that, they each went off to do great things to help the galaxy in their own ways um, and how Padme was helping. It's like Sache was helping the home front in terms of Naboo. Padme was helping the Republic and then Sabe was off helping like the people in the galaxy, the those who are overlooked often in terms of Tatooine and helping free the slaves there. I think a, a small detail at the like very beginning uh, when um, they were interviewing for new handmaidens, there was a small sentence that just like hit me in the face. Um, it was that people on Naboo were naming their children um, names that had the A sound at the end. And I was like, oh my God, ow, okay. Because obviously we know what happens to Padme, but we also know Padme's legacy and the Amidalans legacy. They, you know, they have their own little group and everything later on in, um, in the canon, but it's, just like the the way that Padme and everything that she stood for was such a beacon of light and of hope that people went as far as to name their kids after her. That is everything to me personally. <laughs> that was just, yeah, that little the little detail. It's just little details like that in in these this trilogy specifically. I think E.K. Johnson does a very brilliant job of being like here here's this thing to ground this story uh in in such a large galaxy you know and um that's why it's very I think Mel was on the podcast last week and they said that these books are are a slice of life uh in the greater Star Wars galaxy and I completely agree especially with this book especially since this book is taking on such a galactic like huge thing you know the start of the clone wars but like it, it does show each individual's purpose in in what they're doing 
at this beginning of this war and how they are going to influence the the way that things go for the rest of for the rest of the prequel era to be honest yeah i just really like like along that line the fact that you know because we have padme and coruscant sabe and tatooine like they're kind of spread throughout the galaxy but it's nice to come back and have these chapters with sasha and yane who are still on naboo and it's like even though it is just one planet still very significant in what's going on like with the clone wars and just with politics in general in the galaxy and just the fact that like like you were saying like Sashe advocating for like not taking all this power for Naboo and like taking things from other planets but like advocating for other planets in the system when like people are still like recovering from the fear and everything that they experienced during the occupation by the trade federation but like Sasha literally bears like the physical scars of that incident and she like went through so much at a very young age when that happened but she is still able to look at the bigger picture and be like but taking things from other planets for our own self-preservation is not going to be good for anyone in the long run and the fact that she is the one who is able to see that and like advocate for that and be such a large part of this bill getting passed was like a really cool thing to see and I just love like I just love her in general and I love that we got to see her like literally from like age 12 until now and like how she has been shaped into the person she is and like you said a lot of that was of the influence of like being one of Padme's handmaidens and being a part of this group that all went on to do incredible things and she just like really sticks out to me as like coming so far from where she was when we first see her as a kid. One of the things that made me so sad when I finished Queen's Hope is I was like, is this like some of the last Padme content we're going to get? And that made me so sad to think about Um, because it's really like she's in a short life, only 27 years, which is just like hurts. But it makes me Disney publishing, Lucasfilm books, anybody out there listening. uh, It would be so cool to get like a a comic series, like a graphic novel or something about like Amidal and her handmaidens and specifically like those four years. Cause I don't know what happened those four years, you know, like what, what did, what was, we know that they wanted to amend the constitution to keep her in power for longer. Why? What was it about? We know that people are renaming their kids after her. Why? What did she do in those four years? That was so amazing that people were like, you are the best ruler we've ever had. You should stay here. And like what power challenges she faced? How did these girls become so close together? I want to see more of them interacting. So yeah, I would love, I would love a series that just like dives more into the four years of Amidala's queen. And I don't know if I feel like it's never going to happen, but if it did, I'm pre-ordering my copy right now. So in this book, uh, Sabe Sabe does find out that that Padme has married Anakin um and she doesn't find out in in the most great way it's it's a little oh shoot kind of way you know um but however that scene was so funny to read I was having a great time um but yeah I think that you know this is it was just another thing it's like icing on the cake that, you know, maybe Sabe and Padme are are drifting apart or are their relationship is not what it what it was. Uh, and so, yeah, that definitely added to it. That definitely added to the angst and the absolute 
sadness that I <laughs> was feeling while reading. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just I thought that those chapters were so great. <laughs> yeah, because Saba is like, I know Padme's never going to choose me, but why does she have to choose him? She could have chosen a planet. Why did she have to choose him? <laughs> All people. And I could just feel her pain and her frustration and annoyance rating off of her. Um, but yeah, it's like, I love Padme or Sabe and Anakin meeting and, and them talking. And the fact that like, you see these two people that Padme loves dearly, but the fact that like, yeah, chooses she's choosing Anakin in a way that she's never chosen and never will chose Sabe and that in and of itself is just like a knife another knife to the, so many knives are in my heart right now um as we keep talking about this book um but yeah and then also to be able to have the Sabe perspective on Anakin that like Padme may not have which again this comes back to like talking about Padme's flaws like she is going to see Anakin in a way that Sabe doesn't and Sabe sees him in a light that Padme isn't able to because she is in love with him and I know we know we know that Sabe doesn't know that Vader is Anakin but if she were to ever find out that Vader is Anakin I I want to know what I just I would need that story because it would be explosive I fear for for Darth Vader's life <laughs> yeah. <I> really do. <laughs> exactly we know it obviously doesn't happen until mm-hmm. after um return of the jedi or else um uh vader would not have he been would redeemed not he would <laughs> <laughs> yeah um there is a line actually that made me um it gutted me to be quite honest there's it's straight after you know she finds out Sabe finds out that Anakin uh, and Padme are married and she's uh, transforming into Amidala, Senator Amidala. And she says that the dress doesn't fit as uh, right. It's the same, nothing's changed, but it doesn't fit as like it used to. Okay, why? Actually, E.K. Johnson, I will be sending you therapy bills because that, what an amazing way to A, like, portray like that feeling um in a in a literary uh sense but also just that is exactly you know the perfect explanation and the perfect allegory for this relationship between Sabe and Padme and uh you know it's showing how the work has always come first right she's literally getting dressed to be Padme but it also shows how you know they were something more than just co-workers. Sabe was definitely more to than just uh, Padme's employee. And uh, they were like sisters, you know, they had a, a great bond, but it, there are things that, Sab, that Sabe and Padme did not share with each other. And um, that hit Sabe like a truck. Like that was like realizing like, oh, wow, maybe we weren't even as close as we thought. And maybe not only am I not as close to Amidala as I thought, maybe I'm not also as close to Padme as I thought. And that was the most heartbreaking part of this entire book. There's also another line. I don't remember who Sabe says it to. It might've even just been like internal monologue. I think she said it to someone though. And it's basically something along the lines of like, like Anakin's not the first person to be in love with Padme Amidala but like the difference is that this time she loves him back and I was like "Mm, (laughs) girl I like 
all of Sabe's lines, not even just in this book, like in earlier books, she has some really good lines too that just like literally destroyed me. Like it's so sad. And just like you're saying, like there's so many layers layers to their relationship, but like at the end of the day, Sabe is never going to be like Padme's number one priority. Not because Padme doesn't love her or anything like that, but just because like that's how things are. Um, and so the cool thing about this book is that once Sabe like fully comes to terms with that, she doesn't let it like keep her down. She just decides to go and make her own life and sort of like finally, like we said before, get out of the shadow that she's been living in and go pursue her own dreams. I would love the way that I don't love it because it hurts, but I love it to a degree the way that the story ends and how Sabe goes off on her own because it is like, I totally agree with you, Claire, because it is like seeing her accepting it and then moving on and learning how to let go of Padme is so powerful and inspirational because it's true. Like friendships don't, a lot of friendships don't stay the same, you know, and no matter like how deep a bond it is that they they always change over time. And unfortunately for them, their friendship changed three years before one of the two dies and they didn't know that they couldn't have foreseen that. And if they did, I'm sure Sabi would not have left, but, um, but yeah, who's to say if Padme didn't die and was still around and was like running to the rebellion, Sabe would have been right there back by her side, you know, like it comes around in cycles, but like, that's the tragedy of it that like they needed to separate at this time, a hundred percent. And Sabe needed to go off and do her own thing and learn how to let go, which she did beautifully. But unfortunately, it it they never get to come back together again because of everything that happens in Revenge of the Sith. Now I'm just like I feel like every time I get on this podcast and we start talking about what ifs, I start writing fix it fanfics in my head. And now I'm thinking about Sabe and Padme like running the rebellion together. And oh my god, sorry for what I'm about to say because it's a lot. However, picture Sabe and Padme raising Luke and Leia together. <laughs> Sabe has always been the queen shadow and can easily be because I because I have a hard time reconciling when people are like if Padme had survived she would have been running the rebellion and I'm like but Luke and Leia I don't know if she would have had the she would have probably had to have gone on the run you know in a way that like Bale didn't have to she has to be raising her kids in secret the rebellion still needs Padme Sabe steps in and can be Padme at, in like in places in the rebellion while Padme is also like that's how they could co co like raise Luke and Leia can stay safe okay because I do think about a lot like the idea of if Padme had survived to raise Luke and Leia like how things would have been different because you know we all know how much Luke and Leia played a role in like literally everything that happens in Star Wars Yes, I think that, like, I would have loved to see Padme raise Luke and Leia and, like, see how they turned out. But, like, Bale and Brea raising Leia, so true. So I'm like, oh my god, I could go down this rabbit hole for literal... Sage, why am I seeing... Ka- okay, you know what? <laughs> I didn't bring up Kate and Lardy, actually, so... um, I would be lying if I said I didn't come onto this podcast expecting Kaden to come up. I do have a part of my notes about um, Yara, really? but it's basically, <laughs> okay, well, 
if we want to jump we're not jumping ahead we're nowhere right now um <laughs> but the like little one of those chapters that we talked about before about Padme like the last line of it is something along the lines of like she got up every day and like kept going or something and it did make me think of the from a certain point of view story by whatever son saw me already which I definitely have brought up here before and will again um I actually don't think you have I've never heard of this (laughs) it's really good it's about like no I'm just kidding um but because this the last line of that is like along the same lines it's like by whatever son she would wake up and she would rebel um about Miara Lardy and then I was like okay Padme and the Rebellion which is where we are now and then yeah I could get literally like talk for hours about all the potential scenarios if things had ended differently and that's like why it hurts so much because Padme was so influential to so many people and like could have continued to be and like obviously still was after death like her influence can not cannot be like overstated but like if she had lived the things that she could have done for the rebellion, I can't even think about it. I'll cry. That's why it just drives me insane that we don't, there's like no mention of Padme outside of the prequel trilogy. Like I understand story-wise why, why they would have erased like records of Padme, but internal, like internally, like I know we don't, if, if we don't get a, if Bale doesn't bring her up in like if she's not brought up in Obi-Wan Kenobi, she's not brought up in Andor when they're talking about the rebellion. Like it just, it doesn't make sense to me. Also in the sequel trilogy, you know, like the empire's gone. They could have started talking about Padme with like Leia could have talked the whole Leia being like, there is good in him and my son. I'm just like, that's something you got from your mother, not from mm-hmm. Luke, you know, just the, there's like such an erasure of Padme Amidala outside of the prequel trilogy. And it drives me nuts i'm truly going in expecting zero mention of padme because star wars doesn't like padme star wars does like padme but star wars doesn't like padme because i i mean i don't think the fandom really likes padme i think a lot of i think i think a lot of people are uncomfortable uncomfortable with and are put off by her idealism and that that fierce hopeful spirit that she has because i think it is just like it is such a radical idealism that we don't often see in people and, and I think it's like, thus it's hard to comprehend, which I totally respect, understand. And, and thus I think that then people view that as just like being very naive, which I do like, there is, there is a, there is naivety to Padme. And I think that like, she does face that throughout and like starts realizing like her privilege and, and the fact that she is like very naive in some aspects but at the same time that doesn't mean that she just ever becomes jaded and stops fighting for what's right or loses that spirit and i think that like you need that kind of spirit in forming something like the rebellion um and like influencing people who form the rebellion so all that is to say i think her as a character just like stepping back that that is that can be uncomfortable to some folks i completely agree i also think um a lot of fandom response that I see to her character particularly by men uh is very similar to the way that those people also speak of Satine she has kind of what you're saying this people think she's naive but really she's just a pacifist and hopeful and I and has an ideal view of the world which is not necessarily a bad thing and is actually very much a good thing um when when you can you know, back it up and when you can, you know, put work into it, which these women do, 
Um, and, but literally all of the odds are against both of them because um, there is a Sith Lord controlling literally everything in the galaxy. Do we want to talk about the end and Sabe? My hands are yours. <sighs> Please don't ask for them again. Yeah, that was the line. That was the line that got me. The way that Padme literally is like, I like Sabe is my best friend. I don't want to like letting her go is going to be like one of the hardest things I've ever done, but I'm not going to tell her that because then she won't want to leave. Yeah, that was just everything to me because it's so true. Like if Padme had been like, no, don't leave. Like I need you here, blah, 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 blah. Sabe would have stayed, but Padme knows that she had to let her go for her own well-being and that is where like the payoff of their how well their relationship has been built up comes to a head is and like Padme's character because it's such a selfless thing for her to be doing and she truly does it just out of love for Sabe and knowing that that is what is best for her I just love them and I did cry a lot in that chapter it's like both of them make a choice a similar choice to choose someone else that's not each other and Padme Padme makes it just so much faster because Sabe is still like trying to choose Padme uh is still choosing Padme when Padme is never going to choose her and then she sees like who Padme chooses and that starts leading her down the path of like I can't I can't stay in the shadow anymore it's hurting me too much it's not good for me personally I have to make a selfish choice and a selfish choice that was the good choice and then she chose to go somewhere else and then chose Tanra and doing the thing that she needed to do her work on Tatooine that's like she made all of those choices versus like her life being completely up until this point choices have been made for her and I think like that's what the book starts off with is Shmi making a choice to receive Anakin. And then we see the like how each of these women and specifically Padme and Sabe, the choices that they make in the places that they want to be in and the people they want to be with. And it's unfortunately like they're not choosing each other at this point. And even though Padme never would choose Sabe first, like Sabe would still choose Padme. And so Sabe would still be around. But now it's like Padme come to the realization, oh, Sabe is not going to choose me anymore. And that's really hard. But I I can't force her to stay. That's not kind. That's not loving. That's not what's best for her. I need to respect her choice. No matter how much it hurts me to lose her, I have to let her go. Yeah, I was thinking you you mentioned um, Shmi making a choice and, you know, obviously Sabe and Padme. Um, and then I was kind of just thinking, this was like just now, I was like, okay, all of these flashbacks that are not flashbacks but little like interludes in the story of these women are them making choices um and wow okay absolutely uh you know we we see Baru um my love my pride and joy um you really she um takes the route that Sabe also took in, in freeing slaves and you know doing work on the ground level on Tatooine, which is obviously a planet that is, you know, riddled with with crime and slavery. And um, she is she doesn't have the privilege that Padme has to, you know, work on a galactic level to come from a place where, you know, a, a place like Naboo, where she is going to be listened to. So she has to take matters into her own hands and she does it because she is just 
she just believes in it and she has hope that things will get better no matter what she does uh which is so sad when you think about where her story ends um her story ends in in a way that gives Luke a choice actually it makes a choice for Luke in order for Luke to go fight in the rebellion and save the galaxy anyways I just I Baru you are so important to Star Wars and you are underrated anyways um and then we have obviously uh Brea Organa at the end of of the book maybe I literally cried so much um but yeah, uh, and, you know, obviously Padme had an impact on her too. Uh, and and she raised Leia and who also carried that message of, you know, there is hope and there there is uh, light and love and we have to fight for that uh, no matter what. And that's our choice. And, and we're giving choice to people who don't, who who aren't privileged enough to have it. Uh, and that is such an amazing message for Star Wars and such an amazing message for these women in particular to send. Uh, and it, in, in reading it, you know, you're like, well, thank you for highlighting the women of Star Wars, because um, maybe it, it, maybe the movies are about men and how they continuously ruin the galaxy, to be honest. Maybe I'm maybe I'll get up here and slander the men of Star Wars, but, um, yeah, get out of my galaxy actually. But yeah, you know, if you mentioned to somebody, I, I know I literally, after finishing this book, I was like, I went up to people at my work and I was like, you guys, so I just finished this book about Padme Amidala and all of these characters and I'm naming characters and they're like, uh, who is that? I'm like a woman that you've never heard of in Star Wars, but who actually maybe saved the galaxy. Yeah, it's so special. Just this legacy of mothers and, and and how each of them, like just the mothers of the Skywalker saga. And I mean, you can keep going because it's like it ends with it's bread paved away for somebody who would become so much more. I should give myself chills. Um, and it's like these four women paved the way for Pat, for Leia to become so much more. And Leia's paving the way for Ray. And Ray is going to pave the way for other folks. And you can like, just like keep going down the line of the different women. And I hope we do. Like, I, I look forward to hopefully looking forward to the future and seeing like who, who Ray is a mother to mother figure to, and who that person is a mother figure to, because yeah, we just need more mother stories and star Wars. There aren't enough. We need more. Shout out to Crash's mom from Midnight Horizon. Another thing that was like a big theme of these four chapters with the different women is like, persistence and like perseverance because like all four of them like Shmi like had such a hard life but she never stopped seeing the good in the galaxy and like believing that things could get better and like Baru never stopped working to free slaves even when like things would go wrong and they would make mistakes like she never stopped trying Padme um because the story we get of Padme is when she's younger and tries to save this planet and it doesn't end up working out and the people there die but instead of like like turning a blind eye to suffering she is like decides to keep going despite the fact that she had failed in that situation and then like Brea's thing is that she almost dies when she's younger and then but instead like she lives and goes on to rule her planet which okay I'm going to talk about Brea briefly because I will cry that yeah I did sob during that chapter um I love it she got to be in this book because she is very important to like 
Star Wars and like everything that happens, but like we never see her. Like she's in the movies for like one second and then she dies and like that's pretty much it for her. And like even like Bale, we get to see slightly more of than that, but like Brea, we barely get to see. And she's so important. She has such an incredible story. Like she almost died climbing this mountain when she was younger and like uses that to motivate her to do good for the people of her planet. And also fun fact, she does climb the mountain again with Leia when Leia's doing her um trials of the body which oh my god literally literally everything um go read Leia Princess of Alderaan but my favorite line in the entire book and maybe in Star Wars I don't know we don't know yet but that made me literally sob is the last line of the whole book actually when it says Bray Organa built something incredible and in doing so she laid the foundation for someone who would be even more what a perfect ending. What a perfect like in caps. I know I'm literally going to start crying. Um, anyway, I thought it was perfect. And now I'm going to go on mute so that I do not cry. Queen's Hope. I love that it's titled Queen's Hope because it is such a picture of like the Queen's Hope and how the different people in the story are her hope and go on to be her hope in the galaxy and go on to bring hope to other people. And her hope was for a better galaxy. And she unfortunately didn't get to see the galaxy become a better place it is a beautiful book it's it is sad but it's not depressing I'm gonna miss this trilogy for sure Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna miss all my handmaidens and I'm gonna miss Padme and Sabe um but yeah I came out of the book being like okay this was actually a really well done like wrap up to a trilogy it was it definitely felt like like obviously I want more of the characters but where where everything is right now and and the the stuff that I know is going to happen in the canon later I'm like okay I have closure I feel like I know I feel like this is good this Mm -hmm. is a good place to end this story in particular thank you so much for listening to Fulcrum Transmissions please feel free to send us questions you can dm them to us on twitter instagram or tiktok If you enjoy our podcast, please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'd really appreciate it. Reminder to go check out Camilla's podcast, Beings of the Galaxy, for some incredible Star Wars storytelling. Once again, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode.